Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives, and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for, and use Xvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Xvoyant is here to help at this time of crisis. We've put together a sales leadership seminar for sales leadership teams of all shapes and sizes. The current sales leadership crisis will far outlive this COVID crisis we're all facing. And after working with literally hundreds of sales leaders around the world, I've found four levers the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to effectively navigate the storm facing us all right now. This is a one-hour interactive presentation for your sales leaders conducted by me. This seminar is supported by a workbook with key activities you can conduct with your sales leaders as well as a private website with videos to help you implement each of of these levers in a way that will help you create as much influence with your team as you possibly can. We offer this free for all sales leaders. There are no strings, no asks, and nothing but an experience that will motivate and inspire members of your sales leadership team. To schedule your private seminar with your team, hit me up today. Now. Get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Heather Monahan. Heather is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and the founder CEO of Boston Heels. Heather spent 20 years in the media business with a huge amount of success as director of sales, vice president of sales, and chief revenue officer for one of the largest and oldest media broadcasting firms in the United States. Now, Heather's work has turned a lot of heads. She's a glass ceiling award winner, named one of the most influential women in radio, and the Thrive Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. Since becoming a founder and starting her own firm, Heather has focused her expertise on helping create confidence. Her book, Confidence Creator, shot to number one its first week on Amazon. If you don't have it yet, we're going to help you get it by the end of the show. As a confidence expert, Heather works with many members of the Fortune 500, as well as professional sports teams, as she helps professionals develop confidence in whatever they do. Now, I first heard Heather when she interviewed Gary Vee on her podcast, and I got to admit, I'm jealous. I have enjoyed and followed Heather's content since then, and I am confident that now, more than ever, all of us as sales leaders need to make sure we're helping our teams proceed with confidence. So I am so pumped to have her join us today. Heather, thank you for joining our show, and thank you for joining us, and, and, and welcome. Thanks for having me. Tell us, tell us your story. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you. Our, our listeners know that I work hard to bring really good sales leaders, and every now and then I bring other people in that are really experts in specific areas. And this concept of confidence, you're the only confidence expert I will have ever spoken with. And I can't wait to have you come on. So can you tell us what you do for your customers and your journey that got you there? Sure. So my background, as you mentioned, was in sales and sales leadership. I started a, you know right out of college. I went to work for the Gala Winery and was a salesperson there. I left 
the Gallo Winery when I got sexually harassed at work and went to work for a radio company, not knowing anything about radio or selling air. And I really put my nose to the grindstone, became a top sales producer there the first year. And I was offered an equity partnership by the owner when I was 24 years old. How awesome is that? Yeah, that was it. Well, it was scary. You know, people say, oh, you're so lucky. But I'll tell you, I gave up everything. I left my home. I moved to the middle of nowhere in Saginaw, Michigan by myself to run a company of people. Everyone was older than me. And people really, you know, were not excited to see me land when I arrived in Saginaw, Michigan. I took a $25 million property and turned it into a $55 million property. In under three years, we sold that company. And then I moved to Florida and went to work for a publicly traded company where I pitched myself for a job that didn't exist, VP of sales. I was awarded the position and I was promoted three times during my tenure there, more than double the company's revenue from hundred million annually to in excess of 200 million annually when I got fired two and a half years ago. And I had been working for the same CEO for 14 years. He had become ill. And he promoted his daughter, who was my arch nemesis. Uh, she fired She fired me immediately. Uh, and I, t- I took that opportunity to write and self-publish my first book, Confidence Creator, which trumped Trump for number one in business biography the first week that it came out on Amazon. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, that was, that's a great screenshot that I saved. And so I, I then tried and Googled, how do you sell books? And it said speak. And I had been speaking my entire career in corporate America, but not getting paid. So I didn't know you got paid for it. So I just started calling, you know, cold calling rosters of every company that I, you know, had any type of relationship with asking if I could come in and speak about my new book. And people would say, yeah, of course, come on in. And so I started this speaking circuit that was not paid because I didn't, I didn't have the information around that, um, that business model yet. So finally, one day I called a company and they said, sure, what's your fee? And then I had to Google and find out what do speakers get paid? Well, come to find out (laughs) speakers get paid anywhere from 5,000 a speech to 500,000. And it's this really lucrative career. So I really started leaning into this to see this was going to be my number one revenue driver, not my book, which was not what my original plan was for my business. And so I started contacting every speaker agency out there because I wanted representation. I wanted people pitching me. I wanted to land more speaking gigs. And I pitched myself to the Harry Walker speaker agency first and was eventually able to land them when I showed them the screenshot of Trumping Trump for business biography. You know, I said, listen, I own a white space that you guys currently aren't occupying. You don't have any female leaders on your roster and you definitely don't have anyone that's Trump Trump. And so once I showed them that, they said, yes, Mm. we want you. Then I took that screenshot when they put me up. I think I was next to President Obama on their roster, their speaker roster. And so I took that screenshot and I sent that to every other speaker agency saying, listen, just wanted to let you know, I've recently signed with Harry Walker. I think I'd be a great addition to your team and here's why. And I'd research, you know, the different agencies and see what was relevant to them and important to them and how I could add value pitch myself to them. And then I just landed, you know, GDA speakers, big speak. I just landed every other speaker agency out there and then crickets, you know, the agents weren't pitching me. So I had to go back into selling mode and start selling myself to businesses, cold calling businesses. And right before the pandemic picked up, I really had hit a tipping point. I interviewed Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler live on stage in front of thousands of people. You know, I had some really major moments that were 
accelerating my speaking career. And then the pandemic hit and my number one revenue stream was shut down. So luckily I'd launched my podcast, Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan a year prior. And so I had a revenue stream there. I had my book stream and I have an online video course stream, but really my number one revenue driver was my speaking engagements. So I immediately tried to figure out, you know, how can I get into virtual speaking? And I did a few virtual speeches for free at first to make sure I could add value and, and deliver for these new clients. And then I had to set up a new pricing structure and marketing structure around that. And then during that time, I said, all right, I'm home. What other things do people ask me for? And I just remembered, I get DMs all the time. Can you mentor me? Would you mentor me? Can you jump on a call with me and teach me how to do this? Can you teach me this? So I said, you know what? Forget it. Uh, May 1st, I'm launching my first ever mentoring program. And I just put up a post on LinkedIn and said, you've asked and I've answered. You wanted me to mentor you. You can sign up now. I'm only accepting 15 people, uh, you know, $1,000 for the month. And, you know, it, I'm not going to do more than 15. So get in. So I sold the program out. Program went amazing. And half of my May team re-signed for June. And then um, we onboarded some new people, so which I just launched my June program. So this is a completely new business that I didn't even know existed. And now, since that happened, a Harvard professor saw that I launched this, reached out to me and said, I'd like to partner with you collaboratively and bring a Harvard white paper to market and charge people to come take this seminar, you know, and offer everything online through, through Zoom. So now I'm launching that program with him June 18th. Congratulations. What an awesome ride. Thanks. I love how recent it all is too. I love how you're adapt. Like there's a couple of really cool stories of adapting that we could dive into. If we just wanted to make this whole conversation about how to successfully adapt in the middle of a, of a shit storm, you're, you're doing it with flying colors. Yeah. But you know what, this is, I am, but the reason why I am is because I just got fired only a couple of years ago, right? That was the biggest pivot moment for me in my career ever. And having being forced out of that job and somewhat forced into reinventing myself taught me that, okay, I can actually make it. So now I don't doubt when, when this happened, of course I was scared and, you know, I'm in quarantine with my son and I'm very safe, but I also thought, pick your head up. Don't just put your head down and say, Oh, I'm grateful for whatever I have right now. No, pick your head up, look around and find opportunity and find ways to bring your value and deliver it through your computer, which I'm so grateful for now. And ironically, it's so bizarre. I, as I mentioned, I have my podcast. I was, you know, talking to different people about guests during quarantine to come on my show. And Dean Graziosi ends up, he's Tony Robbins' business partner, reaches out to me and his team did. And they, they said, we'd love to have Dean on your show. Sure, I'd love to have him. This is so bizarre. And this is serendipitous. And this is why I believe putting things out to the universe actually works. I was in communication with his team. They set up the Zoom meeting just like this for us to talk. And right before we get started to go into recording, he says, can I just ask you one thing, Heather? How are you holding up during quarantine? Are you okay? How's your business? He's just a, a very nice guy. Yeah. And I start telling him, listen, it's not easy. And I'm super stressed out. And my speaking engagement money's gone. And I, you know, I, this is what I, I'm creating this course. And he says, oh my gosh, this is serendipitous. He said, I am gifting you my course, my and Tony Robin. We created a course 
and it is 100% made for people that are trying to take their business online. It's going to map out for you the specific steps. So he sent me his course right after our no interview. Way. Cool. Yeah. And I've, I've been doing it for the past week and it's, it's very interesting and insightful because it's someone who's been in this arena for, you know, 20 something years. They both Tony and he had an online mentoring business. And so it's great to wow. see, you know, all right, I was making mistakes here. I can improve and be more efficient here. This is a better marketing technique. You know, I could automate this. And, and so it really, you know, what a gift and, and what a nice guy. I freaking love your story. I'm, you know, Many people get on our show, I know, because they're in the sales world and we kind of sometimes know each other. For our guests, this is the first time you and I have spoken and I already am in love with your story. I feel like I know you already because I relate so much to like this, this pivoting that you're talking about. So I, before we get into this, like we're having on the show, I have to ask you, what was it like to interview Gary Vee? That, that's a pretty cool moment. Uh, that's a pretty good guest, right? So... so- well, if I'm going to do anything, I, I always say go big or go home, right? So okay. to me, I thought if, you know, everyone was saying to me, I'm 45 years old and everyone's saying, oh, you're too late to the game. And, you know, you should have launched a podcast years ago. And in any one of those situations, you can take on someone's negativity and fear and not move forward. Or you can do what I do, which is thank them for, you know, their concern and opinion and hand their opinion right back to them. So I thought, okay, I'm going, I need to make a splash. It's clear that it's very competitive. It's clear that I'm somewhat late to the game because everyone was telling me it. I need to find, you know, the biggest guest possible. So I thought Gary Vee is probably the biggest guest out there and he doesn't do, you know, a lot of interviews. So I'm going to go after him. Now it's important for people to know I had been pursuing him for years, you know, I used to just reach out to him to want to collaborate with him, want him to interview me, whatever. And I went back on my Insta DMs and I saw, I had been messaging him for, for years. Twice he had responded to me, but kind of blew me off, you know, like, oh, you're in Miami, I'm in New York, you know, I don't think we can work together, whatever. But for years I had been messaging this man. So when I decided I wanted to launch a podcast, I messaged again, Gary, I'd love to have you on my show. You know, here's how it's going to add value to you, blah, 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 crickets. So I Googled him and I hit the news tab and I saw he had just launched a wine company. So I, I, I started typing in about his new wine company, which is Empathy Wines. And I saw he had a partner and I thought, you know what? I probably have more luck getting to the partner than I would getting to Gary Vee. So I Googled the partner. I went to LinkedIn. I friended him on LinkedIn. He accepted and then I could DM him. And so I sent him a DM on LinkedIn saying, hey, listen, really excited for your new company, Empathy Wines. I actually have a background for the Gala Winery. I was the number one sales rep in the state of Massachusetts. I, I have a lot of techniques and strategies around selling wine and promoting wine. I can add some value to you. If you want any help, let me know. I'll jump on a call with you. Well, of course, he, he's new to the wine business, right? I had been in it. So he jumps on a call with me. We talk about some of the different ways I had success in that business and how I thought, you know, he might be able to leverage some of those techniques to build his business. And then at the end of the call, we're about to hang up. And he said, Heather, is there anything I can do to help you? And I said, yeah, it's funny you ask. You certainly can. I'd love to interview your partner for my podcast, which is launching next month. And he said, that's a tough get. He's really busy. I said, well, if anyone can do it, I'm sure it's you. You meet with him once a week, right? And he said, you know, would you be willing to put your money where your mouth is? And I said, well, elaborate. And he said, would you buy cases of wine if I'm going to help you get Gary on? I said, absolutely. I love wine. No problem. And so he ended up getting Gary for me. And, uh, you know, I ended up helping him promote his wine business a little bit. 
I love the story. We can end this conversation right now. That's a sales leadership story right there. Uh, teach your reps to do exactly what Heather just did and you'll all hit quota. Um, Heather, I love it. That, what a killer, killer story. So let's, let's get into what you do now. You're in the confidence business. And like I said, you are the first confidence expert I've met. First question, what drew you to this? I mean, how do you decide to become a confidence expert? Yeah, I didn't. I never did. You know, I was fired. So I was a chief revenue officer. And for me, that next step was CEO. So that was my path. I was in a very well-lit path in corporate America. I had always assumed I'd be CEO, not of the company I was working for, but of another company. And, you know, I never anticipated going out on my own and writing and speaking about confidence. It just never even crossed my mind. However, when I got fired, I did something really smart. I posted on social media I have just been fired and it really hurts. And if I've ever done anything to impact your life, I'd love to hear from you today. And people thought I was crazy, but I received so many opportunities from that post. One of them being Froggy from the Elvis Duran show who tweeted at me, I'd love to help you. And I tweeted back, which this is another lesson, convert opportunity in the moment. Don't wait on it because people will move on with their life. And I tweeted right back at him. Great. Get me on the show. And he did. And so I flew to New York and went on the Elvis Duran show. And when I sat down with Elvis, we had a great talk. And halfway through the interview, he said, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book, but I wasn't. But I, he, he really passed his confidence in me to me when he made that comment. And I said, well, yeah, obviously. And he said, when's it coming out? Now, mind you, I, I don't have a book. And I said, oh, it'll be out within the year. I had no idea about the book business, nothing. <laughs> but that just in turn, I gave myself a deadline. I put it out to the world, 10 million listeners, and that's going to hold me accountable. So I got on the plane and I Googled, how do you write a book? And basically it says that you need to sit down and start writing. So I did that. And within a couple of weeks, I knew that I was writing you know, really a blueprint to how I had fallen down and, you know, had low moments in my life, but how every time I learned something from it, and now I applied that to my life now, and ultimately what that gave me was confidence that I could do it again. So I want to make sure I'm understanding this the right way. So you have these really cool series of events happen after what can't be called a cool event, getting fired from a company that you enjoyed working for, from your nemesis is the word you used, right? And you turn that into, I'm going to start writing a book and you start to probably start organizing thoughts that were probably kicking around and you just hadn't organized them like that before. Next thing you know, you've got something and you know, you've got something because you've been in the sales business long enough that you know what that's all about. And the rest kind of has taken off from there. Well, no, it's not that easy. I'll be okay, honest. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of trying. Forgive me if I came across that way. I wasn't trying to, to, to simplify what you've done, but I'm like, that's really cool to me how you like start organizing your thoughts and then build a business around it. Yeah, but none of it. I, I had no idea. I didn't know I was writing a book. I didn't even know if I could write a book. Like, can anyone just write a book? I didn't know. I had no idea. Right. And so every time I start over as a rookie, when, whether it be, I start over as a rookie author, then I start over as a rookie publisher. Cause I published my own book. Then I started over as a rookie speaker. Then I started over as a rookie podcast host. And then I start, you know, I just keep starting over and leaning into this unknown space and figuring it out along the way. And I make a lot of mistakes and there's actually three mistakes in my book, which is kind of crazy, but you know what? Really? I believe there are. Yeah. But you know what? I believe that done is better than perfect. And for me, I'm proud of those three mistakes because I'm a first time author and I wrote that book, right? Somebody else didn't. I, I had an editor, but 
you know, that's my work. And I'm really, really proud of it. And I'm grateful for the feedback I get. And I'm grateful that the book took me into this speaking business that I didn't even know existed, which took me into the podcasting business. You know, it's just been, it's been an evolution. All right. So let's talk about that. So we got salespeople and sales leaders that are listening to the show right now. We talk about all kinds of things. This will be the very first time we've talked about confidence on our show. And I'm like, I'm pumped, Heather. And so as I was getting ready for this show and our conversation, for whatever reason, because we're going through crazy storms that what used to just be COVID and now there's all the other stuff that's happening, which is nutty right now that we've got to figure out how to work through. The, The image that comes to mind is a dark and stormy night. We're on a windy highway and I'm thinking of the yellow diamond sign that says proceed with caution, right? How do you help people transform the proceed with caution to the proceed with confidence? You know, let's start talking. You mentioned you have a blueprint. Let's start talking about some of that blueprint. Let's talk about how that applies to sales leaders. Well, you know, I'll use the example of my main mentoring program because I saw a lot of confidence created within that 30-day program. So I, I truly believe that you can create confidence within yourself in 30 days. You know, you need to figure out what your baseline is. It's like if you're going to go on a diet, you have to have a starting point. What is your current weight? What, what is your current confidence level? And what was interesting to me that I learned about my mentees on that program was some of them thought they were confident. However, they discovered certain parts of their Uh, life. Wow. I wasn't, you know, that was like eye opening Heather. I didn't know. I thought I was just such a nice person. I was actually being taken advantage of by people. I didn't have boundaries created, you know, so people have some different realizations when you start becoming self-aware of, you know, confidence and what it, what it really is. You know, are you showing up as that real authentic you to every interchange and exchange that you have, regardless of who's there? Or do you see yourself changing a bit when you walk into a certain room or or sitting at a certain table? You know, all these different moments or opportunities to kind of assess where our confidence is. And journaling is a big part of that. I, when I wrote my book, I went back through all of my journals. And one of the things I noticed about myself was I would wait until somebody handed me an opportunity often. And let me give you a specific example of that. I had wanted to speak at this technology conference for three years and I knew the man that was in charge of it, yet I had never pitched myself. And I was reading in my journal that I kept this year. I wanted to speak at it this year. I wanted to speak at it, but I never asked. And then one time he came to an event I was speaking at and he texted me during the event. Wow. You're a great speaker, Heather. Congratulations. Then I text him back. Great. Can I come on and speak for your event? So what I learned about myself through my journal is that for years I wanted to do something, but I waited for someone to give me permission to to ask. And so that was one of the steps for me to create confidence. My personal journey was I had to stop waiting for other people to show me the high sign and start moving into things when I wanted to not waiting for approval or permission from someone else. Let's talk about that for a second. So that's, I think a really good idea. So if we were to take your story and how you help people develop, confidence in 30 days. I, I've already burned up another couple pages of notes as I listen to you. So now I got a whole bunch of things I want to like dive into. Okay. This concept of journaling is, is that something that um, sales leaders ought to be recommending to their, to their reps to help them like in their own self-discovery journeys? I mean, cause that's, Oh my hear, gosh. Yes. <laughs> I hear so many best practices when we interview sales leaders. No one's talked about that yet. That's why I, I want to pause on this for a minute. Yeah. I mean, listen, here's a couple different things. Obviously I, I was a sales manager and sales leader for 20 something years. One of the things that's really important to me as a sales leader, when I work with people is not only the journaling, but also their daily plan, right? And like, what does it say on their daily plan and making sure one of the reasons that I've been successful in business 
is I always have, and this is old school, I have a lot on my computer now, but I always have a binder so that I can go back and reference, oh, wait a minute, last week, how much activity level was I putting out? Last week, what things were I, was I accomplishing? Because then you can start seeing, wait a minute, this week has been so successful. Well, it's so successful because of all of, you know, the things that the action steps I was taking in the weeks prior and the month prior. And when you see activity levels dip, that's a great way for a sales leader to really hone in with a rep collaboratively to sit down and say, all right, you're not having a great month right now. Let's start looking at some of the activity. Let's go back, you know, to last month when you were having a good month and what were the things that you were doing differently, you know, and really take a deeper dive into, and, and that's a mm. journaling is the same way when that person goes home at night talking about, you know, when they're in their privacy, of their own home, you know, here's what I was feeling good about. Here's what I was struggling with today. Here's what happened. But it really gives you that roadmap to reflect back on because when you're in it, you don't know how the dots are going to connect. But when you reflect back on your day, you reflect back on your week and your month, you have some of these epiphany moments that if you stop and are aware of them, you can start using that to your advantage. Yeah, I like that. You know, I've done tons of one-on-ones with tons of people. and We've had tons of coaching experts. No one's really talked about this journaling idea. And I love how you shared that the journaling helped you realize that for three years, you were waiting for permission to speak at someone's stupid conference when all you had to do was ask and then you were their top ranked speaker. And now they're probably saying, Hey, how do we get you back next year? Right. <laughs> and, and no, but you know, it, it's about, it's good that you mentioned that because it's interesting that man who I did a great job, I ended up speaking for him three times and I ended up um, getting the, the keynote stage. So I, I definitely did a great job for him, which, you know, of course we always want to do good business and follow up with people and deliver, deliver and over deliver but I haven't been in touch with him because I left that industry. I'm not in the radio business anymore. And wouldn't you know, someone reached out to him a month ago and said, I need a virtual keynote speaker to motivate a team. Do you know anyone? And right away he recommended me. And it was such Mm. a a nice, you know, it was such a nice uh, memory for me to remind her to, Hey, I need to reach back out to this person. So he referred me, I reached back out to him. And actually when I, he, he has a chapter in my book. And so when I wrote my book, I had reached out to him. I sent him a copy of my book. You know, it's just so good to stay in touch with people, maybe not every day or every week, but you know, cause you never know who's going to pass you on for opportunity right. leads and business. And, and I was so grateful. I left things with him on a very good note. So I like that idea. And I really like how it's not just writing down what happened. It's also taking the time to reflect back. Is that also a fair thing is, use it to identify, hey, it wasn't always like, it was really good here and I get into trouble here. So avoid these things and replicate these things. Is that a good, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, be your own Monday morning quarterback, right? Like when you go and reflect upon the last month, the last year, those are great opportunities to say, what would you do differently? And for me, I get a lot of value right now out of my journal in 08, 09 because of the great recession, Right. And as being a leader in the Great Recession, I go back and look at that journal to figure out what I did right and what I did wrong and or I could do better this time. And that's why I've been able to move so fast in this difficult and challenging window, because I have that prior experience and I have that roadmap to look at. It reminds me of Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you follow his work, but I was listening to one of his podcasts and he said he has every workout he's ever done in his life in a in a binders that cover a wall. Right. And he said, when I look at a picture and I say, oh, I like how I look then, he'll go find the workouts from that period of time. He'll say, that's the workout plan for now. And that's what you're saying. I love, like, oh, I feel so stupid right now because, yeah, I led a really large uh, sales team through 08 and 09, but I didn't document my journey. 
I didn't write down what happened. We made it through and it was cool, but I can't tell you exactly what we did specifically to get through. I can kind of remember, but I couldn't say this is exactly what the game plan was. So that's an awesome best practice because right now we're going to get through it. And if you can document how well you got through it, you're going to now have like a lighthouse shining down for how you get through stuff in the future. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really important time right now for people to be documenting what they're doing, journaling. Again, you don't have to write a book about it, but keep that information for you because someday in the future, you're going to want to look back and think how you got through this. And it's great to have that roadmap. All right. So I wrote down a whole bunch of words when you were going earlier that I want to get, get back to. I want to talk about situations. So as a sales leader, we sell to specific usage situations. Is it, is it, is it possible to create situational confidence when maybe, I mean, can you talk about confidence as it relates to situations and, and how that might apply to sales? Yeah, I actually, a funny story just came into my mind uh, that I think is really relevant to what you're talking about. So I was going on, this must have been three years ago. I hadn't done a lot of media and I was going on an international news program live in New York city. And it was a big deal for me at the time. I I was a little bit nervous. And right before I'm about to go in, I get a phone call from a friend who says, Hey, I don't know. And I'm literally walking into the building. She said, I don't know if you've done your homework on this woman that's going to interview you, but she's really tough. She's going to come after you and try to expose you. So be on your toes. Now, what's interesting is I know a lot about business in the U.S. and I can talk business all day on any platform, but I do not know anything about it internationally. And she was an international global business show. So I started getting really nervous as I'm in the elevator and I went to my go-to move, which is if I'm walking into a situation and I'm lacking confidence for whatever reason, in this instance, I don't have knowledge around international business. So I thought to myself, who is there out there in the world that I know what person could I channel that I know when they get asked a difficult question and they don't know the answer, they're able to handle it and move seamlessly through it. It doesn't matter. This is not a political, but the one person I know that I see do this all the time is Donald Trump. He's asked questions that he doesn't have an answer to, and he just continue go moves forward. Like no one even asked him the question. He doesn't miss a beat. And no one, you know, most of the time, no one says anything. So I said to myself in the elevator, I'm going to channel Donald Trump. And I saw in my mind, you know, I, I remembered I'd seen an interview with him where he'd done this flawlessly. So I thought if he can do it, I can. And I went on the show. Show was going great. Great banter back and forth. And then she said, she said something around, oh, what is the gender pay gap internationally, Heather? And I channeled Donald Trump and I said, great question. However, a better question is, what are we going to do about it in the United States? And I'm going to tell you what we're going to do about it. And I just started going and I, I didn't stop. I didn't give her a second to breathe. And I Donald Trumped her. And I'll tell you that show was unbelievable. And I did not answer her question, but she, because I steamrolled her, she, she came with me and she took the conversation right where I wanted it to go. <laughs> okay. So I like that. I like that for so many reasons. Now I'm trying to come back and take it for a sales leader that's working with salespeople that we now have new usage situations that exist. Like a lot of things that we used to sell to like, here, here's, here's an example, Heather. I was, I was uh, doing a virtual speech to one of the largest sporting good manufacturers in the country about a month ago. And all the sporting teams are not playing right now. And so all of those usage situations they used to sell to, they're on hold right now. Nobody's buying uniforms. Nobody's buying equipment. How do we keep selling stuff? That was an interesting, that was an interesting speech to give. 
So how do we how do we build situational uh, like I like the steamroll approach, but with customers sometimes that might backfire with the customer, right? Sometimes they may want you may have to uh, answer the question. Though I love that I, I I'm gonna channel Donald Trump sometime when I get hard questions myself. So as a sales leader, can you start building situational confidence? And I like that tactic. Like how do you if you know like the, to my I guess I take from that Heather is know where you areas of not having enough knowledge is have tactics around it. Your tactic there was steamroll. There's going to be other tactics. So I would imagine as well. Is that, is that, am I, is that a, am I right? Or am I wrong? How, what would you yeah, recommend to me yeah, as a sales leader? Absolutely. You know, so tactics around dealing with customers right now in this really difficult time is empathy, you know, empathy, showing up, communicating and empathy and just empathizing with people and giving them time to answer instead of, you know, a, a frantic conversation and, and asking how they're doing, you know, asking what makes them feel safe. I sat down with Philip Stutz, who's a great analyst, and he's done a lot of research around this. And he shared that people want to feel safe. They want to do business with people that they trust right? And they want to do good in the community and in the world. So find a way to envelop those three really important pieces of the puzzle into your conversation. I, you know, Mr. Advertiser, I want you to feel safe. Your safety is my utmost concern. As you know, we've been working together for 10 years and I, I trust you. I know you trust me. I want to find a way for us to work together where we both feel really good about this. How can I help you to make sure we're shining a light on your company and, and all the good you're doing in the community? Like bring those three pieces into every conversation that you can and lead with empathy. So good. So that, that's a great framework. They want to feel safe. They want to work with those they trust and they want to know that what they're doing is helping make it a better place. That's really good. And that's something that everybody can, can absolutely do. Let's let's shift off that one. Let's keep going to another one. Let's so we talk about situations. We talk about journaling. What about this idea of authenticity and fake it till you make it? What's your opinion on that as it relates to you know confidence? Yeah, I, I see that people have very different views on that. I, I can just go with my own yeah, life experience. Yours. And I just want yours. Yeah. Uh, so for me, yeah, I believe fake it till you make it all day, every day. And and let me <laughs> tell you why that why that is. The first time I got on a stage as a paid speaker, I didn't know if I warranted that value. So I just, but I knew if I don't go out there looking my most confident and behaving like my most confident, I'm not going to give the best speech, right? So I fake it. I get myself fired up that, oh yeah, I do. But I'm not, I really didn't know it, but what I've learned is stepping into that fear is the answer. Stepping into that fear with confidence that I know that success leaves clues and I found ways to make it work for me in the past in different environments, different situations. This is going to be no different. It doesn't mean I actually feel confident, but the, the act of actually stepping into the fear and doing it, that builds confidence in you. One of the scariest things that I did in the past year was give my first TED talk and I was petrified walking out onto that little red circle. But Rob, I said to myself, I closed my eyes right when they called my name. And I said, if you don't go out there right now, you will never forgive yourself. If you go out there and blow it, I am going to be so proud of you. And then I just started walking because I decided I'm going to let go of all these expectations, all this fear that I'm having, this lack of confidence, self-doubt. And I'm just going to you know, push it away from me. And I'm just going to sh- walk out there and be me. And luckily, I nailed it. I had practiced a lot, I have to tell you. So I Take that word luckily out. I doubt there was a lot of luck involved in that. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I really freaked yeah. out in, in that situation. I, I got panicked going into something so big and so different to me because a, a TED talk is very different than a regular talk. And, 
And it was very scary. But the fact that I walked out there, number one, the fact that I took the pressure off of myself and move forward with, you know, keeping promises to me. That's a great way to build confidence. I had promised myself I was going to give that talk that day. I couldn't back out of it. And the fact that I took that step, even though I was scared, that built confidence within me. All right. So this is awesome. You don't, I mean, you would laugh at me if you saw what I was writing down over here. I'm taking our conversation. I'm building it into a structure. You just gave another one. I love this soundbite you just gave us. Doing builds confidence. So it's not even so much the study and the, you know, that stuff. Doing it. So I want to talk about the doing it. Can you, can you get the benefit of doing it through practice? Does that, because like, I'm a believer, I'll tell you where I am. I, I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree, and we'll be friends if you do. I don't think you necessarily get better at sales by selling. I think you get confidence when you sell and things you practice, you see them work. And so I think you absolutely can practice and leaders should create safe practice environments where, you know, I, I can screw up without it killing a deal. Can you talk about practices role in, in creating confidence? Oh my gosh. Practice is huge. Yeah. So of course you're going to be more confident for a presentation if you practice it 80 times versus winging it. Right. I mean, that's just, and then once, once you do that a few times and do well, then you began to develop organic confidence in it. Then you don't need to practice as much because you just trust and believe in yourself. That's kind of where I am now as a speaker is I don't sit down and practice for hours ahead of time. I like to show up and feed off of, you know, the real energy and the conversations in the room and, and the dynamic that's, that's there. So yeah, I think practice is critical, but you know, one of the things that you brought up where we're doing role-playing with teams I remember as a leader, trust was a big thing in that arena. And I think it's something that a lot of sales leaders overlook. If you're in a toxic environment or, you know, an underhanded backstabbing type of a team environment, you're never going to really open up and start practicing and being the real you in those situations because you're intimidated, scared, or you've learned, you know, negative behavior from that environment and you don't want to expose yourself to it. So the number one and most important thing a sales leader can do is breed an environment where they're putting themselves out there to say, okay, turn it on me, you guys, let's go. I know that um, I'm a pretty good salesperson, but I'm not the best in this room, but I know you guys are feeling a little nervous about this. Let's, you know, put me in the fire and let's see how I can handle it. You know, be a little more vulnerable with your people. So they see, oh, she just blew it. She's, she didn't have the answer. Okay. But now we can all collectively try to come up with what a better way would be to handle it. And, you know, how can we learn from this mistake or this, or this issue? But, too often I, I found that, you know, salespeople are being put on the spot and they just don't feel comfortable trying because they're intimidated by the environment or the people sitting at the table. And that's not beneficial to anyone. I could talk to you for hours. I think I I'm looking at, I have like, like eight minutes left and I got three <laughs> things I got to ask you fast. Okay. Cause this has been awesome. And I probably have six or seven. I want to ask you, here's the first one. Can you be too confident? I don't believe in that. That's called arrogance, right? And that's not confidence. When someone's arrogant, they're actually insecure. If you're trying so hard, and I've been there when I was younger, I would try so hard to convince people I was confident because I wasn't, and I didn't want them to know the real me. You know, confidence, confidence now is me showing up for an interview right after I got out of the gym with no makeup on and a baseball hat. When I was younger, I would never do that because I'd want to look perfect and appear perfect because then maybe people will think I'm really confident. So, no, I, I think that the more you can be you, your flaws and all, you know, the more confident you really are. And the more arrogant you are, actually, the mo more insecure you are. So it's okay to be vulnerable with a customer, for instance, and let them see your it, warts. Huge. That is absolutely huge. Cool. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to save my favorite question, my favorite one of, of the things I have less for last, because I think that the timing on this last one will be good. But can you give me like, if you're a sales leader, maybe your top three confidence builders and maybe your top three confidence killers. So do this, don't do this. Like kind of a, here's three things you really want to do to help build confidence. Here's things you should never do because they'll kill confidence. Is, is there anything top of mind? Yeah, of course. All right. So the top three that I would say, and again, I believe that everyone's unique and different. We all have different challenges. So these might not be the three best for you, but the three that were best for me that yep. I would lean on. So number one, fire your villains. If you have negative people mm. in your life that talk down to you are toxic mm. to you, like that arch nemesis I had at work, when you fire that villain, you set yourself and your confidence up to take off. Amazing things will happen, I guarantee. And if you can't fire them, maybe it's a family member, you know, it's a coworker, create boundaries and hold them to task on those boundaries. That's a really, for me, that was okay. a really, really big one. Another one for me was to stop apologizing. Somewhere along the way in my life, I had learned I should apologize for everything. Someone bumps into me, I'm sorry. You know, I'm late to a meeting, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, someone knocks something else over, I'm sorry. And I decided to give myself a challenge, a 30-day challenge, no more apologies. And what I've learned is it really elevates you to feel better instead of to blame all the time, which is not a great feeling. You just feel that, you know, you're on equal footing. I, I tell people, thank you. Thank you for your patience. I'm ready to begin the meeting. You know, thank you for understanding that I wasn't able to make the deadline. But starting to thank people and show gratitude instead of self-blame has been powerful for me. So good. What about the flip side? Anything you should stop doing? Yeah, there's one voice and opinion in the world that matters, and that is your own. Stop looking outside of yourself for that right answer. So often I get people DMing me, Heather, what should I do? And I always write back, whatever it is that you think is the right decision. You know, yesterday I was on the phone with one of my mentees and she said, Heather, I've been working with a company and they said this new tagline is what I should use, but I don't like that one. I really like this one. I said, well, then you just answered your own. Whatever resonates with you is what you should move forward in. And when you do actually move forward with it, that's going to explode your confidence. Super good. Those are so good. I, fire the villains. I, that stop apologizing one, man, that, I think the world, I mean, everyone's going to be happier and more successful. I get, you replace apologies with thanks. That's so insightful. And, and I imagine that as you start looking for opportunities to do that, your outlook on life probably changes almost instantly, doesn't it? Absolutely. Anytime you put gratitude practice into motion in your life, you're going to feel better. Okay. All right. So this is the last thing I want to talk about before we hit our rapid fire, wrap it up. I can't believe I only have four minutes left. One of my things that I think you can really be helpful to our sales community and is you are an amazing example of someone that's overcome odds and bias. You know, you're in a glass, you're, you're a glass ceiling award winner. Uh, you're not just great at what you do. You're also great as someone who's overcome, you know, what, what would be a gender bias? There's also race bias. There's also age bias. There's sexual orientation bias. There's biases everywhere. Okay. Um, any advice to how you build confidence when I don't think there's a single person in the world that doesn't have some kind of bias they have to overcome at this point. Yeah, that I really started overcoming the bias when I started rocking what they were hold, you know, being biased towards me for. Meaning when I was younger, people would say, don't wear a skirt to work. Don't wear your hair down. Don't do this. You know, you're, mm. you, sh you know, I was very attractive when I was younger and people would tell me kind of to hide it and dial it down. Really? Well, the more I would, the more I would do that, you know, the more I didn't feel good about myself, the more I'm trying to hide the real me. When I started showing up in my 30s 
as the real me, you know, rocking my high heels. That's, and that's what, where when Boston Heels awesome came heels. up with, you know, starting to rock like who you are, whether it's purple hair or flip-flops or, or whatever, but really starting to show up as the real version of yourself, that's when you step into your power and your confidence, and that's when you start shattering glass ceilings. I love it. Uh, me personally and our company, we're big supporters of the women in sales specific, specifically movement that Lori Richardson and Jill Conrath and so many others are. And so I, I think we need more diversity, not less, but I sometimes think people put barriers on them and boundaries on themselves that they don't have to have. And so I, I'm interested. That's why I asked that question that be your real self and, and strip away uh, boundaries that people put on you. Is, is, am I hearing that right? You don't need to accept other self-limiting beliefs. That's about them. It's not about you. You can thank them for it, hand it back to them and move forward with your plan, your intuition and and your thoughts. You've been amazing. We, we, uh, we finish the same way every time. I can't believe the time's up. It's been fast. This is going to be one I get a lot of good feedback with. Like I can't wait to tell our listeners how to get in touch with you. Um, Three questions real fast, rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes. Born ready. Biggest sales leadership challenge and how do you beat it? Biggest sales leadership challenge and how do you beat it? Typically it's communication, especially in difficult times. I I, I believe that the majority of our problems come down to poor communication or lack thereof. So show up, communicate to your team. And if you think you don't know what to say, then say that, right? But be who you are and do it with frequency and consistency and stop with that, oh, open door policy. I can't stand when people say that. It's so ridiculous, right? And forget this open door policy. Instead, reach out and check in on people. Love it. That's a great answer. Thank you. Number two, and this is a fan favorite. We've actually put an ebook together on this and I can't, we keep adding to it. When you're interviewing teammates, is there a favorite interview question or interview topic? And what is it you're looking for when you're looking to add people to your team? You know, one of the things I've learned through trial and error is I used to want to find the best salespeople or the most gregarious or charismatic, you know, someone I think, oh, they're going to hook people. But that wouldn't always work. And instead, when I started gravitating more towards who people were, purpose-driven, the things you can't teach, right? Morals, kindness, it really good. Instead of focusing on good people, because if I get really good people that want to work and are driven people that have a passion and desire, I can teach them the rest. Love it. That's awesome. Last one, okay? Uh, we're here at the end. Readers, are, leaders are readers. We found that the best leaders never stop learning, ever. They want to keep keep learning. I don't care if it's a book that you turn pages or an audible that you listen to, or if you want to do it in bite-sized chunks with maybe a blog or a podcast, is there one thing that you would say, Hey, if you want to extend your leadership journey, here's something I recommend you um, consuming. Anything that stands out to you? Oh my gosh. There's so many. Um, your third story by flip flipping. I love that. It's about rewriting the story that you tell yourselves. And then once you learn how to do that, you can teach your people how to do that. That's really empowering. I also love the book. That's a classic book. The obstacle is the way I think that's a a fantastic book about overcoming challenges. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. I agree. (laughs) Okay. Those are two good ones. I, your third story has not been recommended. I can't wait to get my hands on that one. We'll add that to the list. Listen, Heather, you've been amazing. This has been even better than I expected. You're in the, you're in the business of helping people uh, have real authentic confidence and, and not wait for permission 
that go live that life they want right now. We're going to have people that are going to want to connect with you. We're going to have one of people that are going to want to follow you. How do they pick up what you're laying down? How do they get more of you? How do, you know, how do they continue a conversation if that's what they want to do? Sure. I'm on all social media at Heather Monahan. My website is heathermonahan.com. My book is Confidence Creator, and my show is Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. Anywhere you find out podcasts. I've seen her show. She's a great host. I would recommend all of you guys, to, uh, all of you listeners, to go out there and listen to it. Get a hold of her book, and like I said, um, she will help you stop waiting for your turn and go out there and move forward with confidence and get what's yours. So, with that, Heather. Thank you for joining us. And as we say to everyone, happy selling. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank those of you that have already joined my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. It is amazing to see this community grow so quickly. I get tons of requests from sales leaders and salespeople around the world looking to go deeper. Places like LinkedIn are awesome, but they are cluttered, they're noisy, and they're really limited on how deep you can go to create impact. So I created Sales Leadership United to provide a community of sales leaders committed to becoming legendary, iconic leaders of those they lead. If you haven't given Sales Leadership United a look, I hope you'll do it today. I have much of the best content I've ever created organized in a way where you can simply search by topic to gain access to what I've seen work around the world. In addition, I have exclusive content available only to members of Sales Leadership United. Insights, frameworks, live trainings, coaching structures, and made-for-you sales meeting tools are all there for you to use today. If you've ever, and I mean even one time, like something I've shared on this podcast, please check out Sales Leadership United at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Sales Leadership United. I promise you, you'll find value there. I'm excited to hear what you think. Now, I'm really excited that Heather was willing to join us on the show. I'm a big fan. Uh, Her story is amazing. And just listening to her tell her personal story created confidence in me. She's built a thriving business in less than two years around a concept that was new to her. And everything about what she was talking about was resonating with me. And as I thought through what I would say here at the this part of this this conversation, it's really clear to me that we're at a time where confidence has never been more important than it is right now. And I mean never. It's a scary time. Viruses, social unrest, businesses failing, unemployment is high, buyers are hunkering down. And for people that were struggling going into this time, they just got handed the world's greatest excuse for why they're struggling. And there will be nobody that argues with them. Nobody will call BS. You know, they'll say things like, oh, I was on my way, and then COVID hit. Or, man, we were really going places, and then COVID hit. I've heard the story many times. Now, it's true there are some people that this has hurt with no fault of their own. But it's also true that there are many people that were struggling going into this, and they are happy to have this great excuse. So our job, I believe, as sales leaders is to sell our way through this. And that means we've got to create well-lit pathways to success. And that means one step farther, we need the members of our team to believe they can win. They need to have that deep-rooted belief that they got the chops to pull this off. And so what does that mean? It means our job has never been more important as sales leaders. We have to have the belief ourselves. And then we've got to create confidence with each of our sales team members. We've got to help them create that, that confidence in themselves. Did you catch early in Heather's story that she was uh, on a show and the host said, 
you know, certainly you have this book coming, and he he pushed his confidence into her. In fact, she, the word she said was, his confidence went into me. We can do that. Our confidence can go into the people that we lead. And just like Heather was up, uplifted by the confidence he had in her, we can help the people that work around us have that same kind of uplift. Our job as leaders is to help every person on our team proceed with confidence. And I really mean it when I said on the show, I see this dark and stormy night and there's this big yellow sign, those, those diamond signs that say proceed with caution. I think we got to make a sign that says proceed with confidence and have a swagger that's contagious. I can't tell you what my favorite part of speaking with Heather was today. She gave us a killer framework for building confidence. I loved it. And maybe, you know, two or three things that really jumped out. Number one, the first thing that really spoke to me was her speed of action. She didn't sit around thinking about stuff. She didn't sit around and say, well, I got to whiteboard this for a while. She leaned towards action. She made a plan and then she worked her ass off. And she, you know, here's a few things. She learned how to be an author. She learned how to be a speaker. She learned how to be a podcaster. She learned how to be a trainer. She learned how to be a killer marketer. And she said it best when she said, done is better than perfect. I think that's a really good lesson for us all. Done is better than perfect. But if you look at it, her success wasn't an accident. And it really had nothing to do with luck. She saw an opportunity and she moved. I believe it was General George Patton that said, luck favors the person in motion. I think there's so much truth there. You know, are you an object at rest or an object in motion? So my, my advice is to lean towards doing. Heather shared that doing builds confidence. And if you're a sales leader, create practice opportunities. Create safe places to do. Reward the doing, not just the results. Iterate and innovate. Create a culture of doing. I learned a long time ago that the amount of time between idea and action is a huge predictor of your success. So help people lean into challenges. Because as Heather said, doing is a confidence builder. She also talked a lot about journaling as a confidence builder. I really like this part. Documenting your journey is something Tim Ferriss has talked about as well. He says that every workout he's ever done for the last who knows how many years is in a binder. Um, and so when he sees a picture of himself that he likes, he can go see what his workout was. Heather is smart to point out that you should record your mindset, your beliefs, your goals, and your behaviors at any given time. You know, with COVID hitting us, she said she went back to her 2008-2009 journals when she was going through a different kind of crisis, the, the, the Great Recession, and that's been helping her get through this. So yeah, help your reps create these kind of benchmarking tools, and you need to have them for yourself. I've started journaling as a result of this conversation, and I now see why it's so, so powerful. But I think my favorite concept is being your own Monday morning quarterback. Measure everything. Break down your wins. Break down your losses. You know, one of the things I'm starting to realize is people don't learn enough from wins. I do see people trying to learn from losses, but I don't often see people trying to do enough with their wins. We just assume that a positive outcome means everything was done right. But if you build a culture of building from wins and losses, I think you'll get a lot of benefit from that. I'm really digging into this concept right now. It's amazing how much I'm learning. I'll be sharing more later. Um, but learning intentionally is a big deal. So Heather, my friend, thank you for joining us. To those of you listening, buy your book. It's good. I like it. This, you know, take this week and take some time to break down Heather's blueprint for building confidence. You'll be glad you did build your confidence and you very quickly will see yourself leading a more confident team. And right now your team needs you to help them with confidence. They need it more than they ever have. You can't give them certainty, but you can give them clarity and that will provide moments of confidence. Thanks to each of you for supporting the show. 
I appreciate each of you reaching out with your support, your suggestions for guests, and even for reaching out on help with one-on-ones. And I want to reiterate my offer. It still stands. I do know that the one-on-one is more important than it's ever been. I do know that you can use the one-on-one to help build confidence in each rep. And I do know that if you reach out to me and we have a discussion on how your one-on-one can be even more impactful, it will be. So please, please, please reach out. Let's talk through your one-on-one. Don't put the blinders on. Let's, let's make it as powerful as possible. I offer it with no strings. I, I, I'm not going to try and sell you anything. I, I just want to help as many sales leaders as possible make the one-on-one the number one tool. So hit me up at rob at xvoyant.com. So here's to creating confidence this week. Confident teams create confident buyers. Confident teams are only led by confident leaders. And if you like this week's show, let the world know with a five-star review on iTunes. I thank you again for listening. I thank you for continuing to support the show. And at this time, more than any other, get after it with your team. And don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.